Welcome to Find the Magic, the podcast that will help you honor yourself, your kids, and your partner. We'll give you tips and strategies to create peace and authenticity within your family. We inhale a ridiculous amount of books and life tools and distill the information for you. I'm Terilyn Griffin. I'm Caitlin Gabriel. And I'm Felicia Allen. Let's find the magic together. Hey everyone, it's Caitlin, and I'm going to start us off with our face palms and high fives. And mine is a face palm. Um, a couple weeks ago, I came down with a sickness, which was crazy because it was the end of summer, which I just feel like that's just not allowed. I don't feel like <laughs> I don't feel like sicknesses should happen in summer. But I started to get sick. But it, the re- how it started was I felt just like really tired. So it was actually kind of weird because I just thought I was really tired. But then. But then it continued to worsen. I got like so lethargic and I started to have body aches, fever, all the bad, all the things that encompass a horrible sickness. So I feel like there's sicknesses and then there's, there's miserable ones. And this was a miserable one. And the crazy thing is that it lasted, like I felt really horrible for a solid 10 days. Cause I feel like I've had some sicknesses that you just, you know, you feel pretty sick for a few days, but then you kind of get over it. Anyway, this one was like a solid one. And it was bad. I've never had anything quite like it. And anyway, I actually was like a little concerned that I was dying. Like, I know that sounds dramatic, but sometimes when you're in like a horrible place, I was like, I think that something is horribly wrong. This is so bad. Anyway, turned out I had mono, which was crazy. Um, So anyway, for anybody who's ever had mono, just so you know, I really feel for you because it was it was really bad. It was so tiring. Like I was just so, so tired and it lasted for so long. And, um, so that was a big face palm. And it also like took us out. Like I wasn't able to record during that time, but I do want to say I was so grateful. I feel like whenever you're in a place, um, Terrell, you've talked about it with having your back broken, like, you know, when you broke your back and stuff, but because I felt so horrible for a while, Now that I'm feeling good, because during that time I was like, man, I can't do anything. Like I just felt like simple tasks would just totally wipe me out. And um, now I'm feeling so grateful for my health. Like I'm so grateful that I can just go do the regular things that I would do with my kids. So I feel like anytime that you kind of lose something or something that you normally have is taken away. For me, it just so like it increases my gratitude for it so much more. So I'm feeling so grateful for just my health and that I am healthy. And, um, I'm also so grateful. I feel like, um, I had like you, like family and friends help out in different ways. I had people bring me dinner and I feel like it's not often that I'm on the total receiving end of help like that, just because I feel pretty grateful. I haven't been in a position where I've really needed it, but again, I was so filled with so much gratitude for just people, you know, like neighbors that would find out that I was feeling sick. And then like you guys, family that would take my kids for a couple hours or, and the crazy thing is my husband, Cam actually broke his thumb and had to get surgery within that same, like really bad 10 day period. So That was kind of weird too. Cause he was also, both of us were like slightly out of commission because of different things. So I also, was just so grateful for the help of other people. And again, I was like, man, I feel so, yeah, just like so thankful for people in my life, whether people that are really close to me or even people that weren't that close to me that just 
helped me, whether it was bringing me food or helping out with different things. And so anyway, it was a facepalm because of how I felt, but honestly, it was a really big high five because I was so grateful for just people who are so willing to help, including you guys. I was so grateful because I think when you're in such a bad place and then you receive that help, it's like, anyway, it was a lifeline for me. So those were all really good things that I was thankful for. Mm, I love it. I'm glad you're feeling better. Yes. Something about help that it's easy to take for granted, but there's nothing like not having it to make you really, really grateful for what your body does. It's so true. Okay. Well, mine is a face palm and it is for teenager hugs. I don't know if all teenagers are like this, but my hugs with my 13 year old have really decreased in quality over the last <laughs> few months. Guys, she. So I hug my kids a lot. Like, I'm just a very huggy, affectionate person. So, I mean, with all my kids, like, always. Like, I just, we hug a lot, we snuggle a lot. I just really love it. Well, my teenager, she, and again, I feel like our relationship is really good. So it isn't like this is like, I'm feeling sad because it's hurting our relationship. I'm just sad because I feel like our hugs are really just, really disappointing right now. I will go (laughs) to give her a hug, guys. And this is what she does. She turns sideways almost to her back so she's giving me like her shoulder blade and she leans into me like you can hug my shoulder blade and granted sometimes she has something in her hand like when I'm, I'm picturing her, she's always holding her bird you know so she's like holding her bird I can see that she doesn't want to hug me f- straight on because she has a bird in her hand but like she'll be like kissing her bird as I'm hugging her shoulder blade I'm like so now I've just started like gently like turning her around to face me and like she's not putting her arms around me but like I just like give her a hug and again I'm being sensitive to like if you don't you know like I want I don't want to do something she doesn't want to do for sure so just to be clear I'm not like forcing hugs here but like I'll just like kind of laugh and like turn her towards me a little bit and like pull her in like are we hugging here or are we just more like shoulder blade high five <laughs> happening. anyway it's it's very oh. it's not a satisfying hug but then it's anyway, but then I'm I'm just trying to been really like again, like watching your body language because I don't want to force her in something. But it's interesting for sitting on the couch, then she really loves to snuggle with me. Or so she'll still snuggle with me there. So that's good. Or I even like we were at a class um last night and I like snuggled into her with my hips. We were just sitting on the floor and put my arm around her and she like leaned into my shoulder. So I mean, all is not lost. I'm just really <laughs> not loving the side shoulder blade hugs. So now when like my six-year-old and my eight-year-old, they're boys and both of them are still, I mean, just so snuggly. So when they come home from school and they give me like the full-blown like hug, don't let go for, you know, like a minute kind of hugs, I just almost want to cry like, oh, yes, <laughs> yes, this is so wonderful and I don't want you to ever shoulder blade hug me. Anyway. <laughs> Teenager hugs, not my favorite right now. Oh, that's hilarious. And it makes me think, oh my gosh, yeah, I didn't even think about that. When they become teenagers, they're probably not as, yeah. I mean, you said she's still as snuggly, but, you know, some things are, yeah. Yeah, she's anyway. not loving the hug situation. That's hilarious. And to be clear, Terrellyn's hug bar is very high. Her. <laughs> I feel true. sometimes that you're going to break my sternum when you hug me. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. so, it's. And I love it. But I'm just, I think everyone in the audience needs to know the audience. Yes. Everyone in the audience. <laughs> no, 
funny. That's my word. You know, uh, that's a good. That's a good. Point. <laughs> I I'm not a cat. I'm not like a light like pat you on the back while I'm leaning away no. from kind of hug. I'm like a yeah. yes, pull you in, squeeze you. In fact, sometimes when I squeeze really people who I think are kind of maybe more on the fragile side of life. <laughs> I, I actually am afraid. Like, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Did I hug you too much? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that might have been too much for you. Or I do have friends who don't love hugging, and I'm I'm okay. Again, if any of my kids ever choose they don't want hugs, I will respect that. But it isn't that she doesn't want hugs. She's just not giving good hugs. She's doing them half-heartedly. <laughs> yeah, which I don't do. You're right, Felicia. I just don't do that. I don't, I don't no. do half-hearted hugs. <laughs> oh it's so funny okay i hope she snaps out of it all right (laughs) my i have a face palm also it's a triple face palm i that's sad but it happens and it is to so we have chickens and last week i was making homemade pancakes which are just more work than the mix and you gotta measure all the things and so i have the whole thing and measuring, measuring and measuring just so audience members you know Felicia doesn't like she doesn't like to measure things for recipes so this is probably been a very emotionally taxing process for you to <laughs> these pancakes. it's twice as taxing for me <laughs> and I crack the eggs from our chickens farm fresh cage free all the things supposed to be amazing rotten egg no which have you I have never smelled the rotten egg. Have you guys? No. Oh my gosh. I was like, and I don't like really gag easily. I'm like gagging, dry heaving. It is emanating through our entire kitchen, the smell. And so I, and it's like brown in the pancake mix. I have to dump out the whole pancake mix, clean the aftermath of the rotten egg, which lingered like everywhere that it even came close to for like, half an hour I mean guys it was so bad and now I have PTSD that I'm gonna find I'm like scared of a rotten egg now yeah when's it gonna happen when is it gonna strike again so like (laughs) crack every single egg into a separate bowl which apparently if you're a cooking person you're supposed to do anyways but come on that's so much more yeah, you're supposed to. So that's my face palm. I do have to ask, is it just because if you get like a shell in it or something, you can easily get it out? That's what I'm, is that kind of it? Yeah, I think that's like the okay, okay. main reasoning. Isn't that sad? I, I do that anyway because of the shell thing. And also my children, when they crack eggs, there's like 17 shells every time. So, <laughs> Or another solution to that is if you just do the eggs first also it's the same concept you don't have to do another dish but sometimes the recipes don't like don't call for that here's a ooh what about this you've cracked six eggs for scrambled eggs in a bowl and the seventh is rotten i mean i just feel like i'm living in a war zone (laughs) oh no that's terrifying Uh, that really is like a scary movie felicia i don't know what to tell you So I guess I have a question. Does the egg, and again, this is probably too much info. Does the egg become rotten because it's been, it's been out for too long or is it because the chicken's sick? Which one, or do we know? Do we not know? So I was like freaking out what is wrong. And I've come to the conclusion that most likely what happened was one egg 
just wasn't seen when our kids collected the eggs out in the cube and it was just out there and they brought it in with the other batch of like fresh eggs that's what I think okay okay so still scary though we don't know when it's gonna strike again so I'm worried for you (laughs) (laughs) okay we um answered some listener questions a couple weeks ago and we got so many good ones and a few in particular that we wanted to deep dive a little bit more than we were able to. And this is one of them that we're going to talk about today. And it is from Kaylee. And she asks, um, her question is around making motherhood more desirable. So she says, there's so much complaining about motherhood, um, making fun of kids, no enjoyment. How can we encourage wanting to be a mom and that inspiration? How can we manifest this desire, enjoyment in the small things? How can we change our perfection of all of it? How are we, and then she asked, how are we complaining about all of these things that really we are so lucky to be doing in a lot of ways? So we wanted to tackle this question because I think a lot of us feel, probably a lot of us feel parts of this question and then a lot of us also feel a little of like well yeah sometimes I do feel like really weighed down or complaining about the tasks that I do and when we were discussing this question it's like most things I don't think there's a perfect answer like I think it's a a balance of um, all of what she's saying so but we're hoping to offer something here But I wanted to share a quote that I heard, and I'm going to try to find the reference for it, but I think it's a a Buddhist-like quote, but it is, there is mud in the water, but the water is not mud. And so basically, the quote is like saying that sometimes it's just like a shift in our perspective of that sometimes it might feel really, really hard to be doing whatever we're doing. And it might feel like mud, like just like it's ruined. But if we can kind of like zoom out and gain some perspective on our tasks, our lives, and maybe if we can find some gratitude for what we really do have, that we can see that, I mean, there might be times where there's tons of mud in the water and it feels like really heavy, but there's still like this clear um, space of gratitude that we can come to. And I've lately, um, I have felt like a little bit more in the zone of like, oh my gosh, like if there's one more task I have to do and it's felt like exhausting, that has helped me a little bit. So I wanted to share that first, but I wanted to see what you guys think about this one. Yeah, no, and I I definitely agree with what you said. I think there's pieces of this that I think all of us can definitely relate to because I think it can be really easy to complain about different things with motherhood because there are a lot of hard things with it. And I think um and I think especially, you know, if you're on social media, as we know, like if you listen to our stolen focus episode or if anybody's read that book, the interesting thing about social media too is that we kind of create our own echo chambers. So it's also like if we are moms, chances are we're also probably seeing things 
that relate to our time of life. And, um, and I think on social media, it can be really easy to, because I think too, like the way the algorithms work and everything else, I think it's really easy to either one, see other people's motherhoods that everything looks perfect, which isn't always serving us in the great way. Cause sometimes it's like, Oh, well, mine doesn't look that way. Like my day to day is not looking quite like that. Um, or if you're seeing kind of like the opposite that someone's like complaining or venting a lot, that can also not be serving either. Cause then it's like, yeah, this is the work, you know, like this is horrible. So I think that, I think that can be something to look at is like, could this be causing either just like, is this serving me? Maybe just considering, cause I think so, social media sometimes can bring that out in a way that isn't always serving us for those different reasons. Um, but I also think, I think for me, something that, um, I was kind of, we were kind of wrestling with thinking about this is where's the line of being authentic. So, cause obviously sometimes there are hard things. And I know that like when I have either been struggling with knowing how to handle a certain issue, whether it's with baby sleeping or, you know, whatever it may be, um, or just like a behavior that I'm not totally sure what, how to, how to handle it. It is really nice to have, you know, you guys who I really trust as moms and I, I really respect your parenting and I have other friends who I really appreciate and value how they look at life and their opinions. And so I think there's a really good line of being able to have good friends or family or people that you trust that you can be authentic with. Like, Hey, this is a really, this is really hard and I'm dealing with this. And I either, I don't know how to handle this situation. Or also I know that I've had it before where sometimes it's like, I just want to know that I'm not alone in dealing with this. Like, it's like, has anybody else experienced this? And I think that there is a lot of power that can come from, from communicating and expressing some of those things with people that you trust and know. So I think there's that that I think can be really serving for us. So I think when we're talking about this question, I think it's good to realize that there are going to be difficult things and things that are challenging all throughout motherhood. And I think it is really good to be able to express some of those things with people that you trust, whether it's to get advice on it or just to like know that you're that you aren't alone. I think that those have really been able to have that network and that tribe, so to speak, we talk about that, has been really beneficial for me as a mom. So I think there's that that can be really helpful, but I do feel like it's different from always from complaining. I think expressing those things is different from complaining like always. And I think <clears throat> cuz sometimes when it's like either we've all been with someone where it's like it's complaining about the same things or we're getting to a point where it's like, that feels like kind of what you said. It's like the mud in the water. It feels like it's surrounding everything and we're not able to like see the joy because we are always kind of almost seeing the bad things. I think that then it becomes not, not helpful for us or for our kids when it's like, that's what we're constantly seeing. But it's an interesting line between being authentic and complaining. I don't know. What do you guys think about that? For me, I have a couple of things that, because again, there, I don't think there is one answer here, but it's more of a, how can, <laughs> what is the line between authenticity and complaining, right? And false positive, because, you know, living in negative isn't helpful. Neither is just pretending like everything's perfect. Like Kaylee said, 
how do we change our perfection of it? Like that constant desire to be like, this has to, if I'm not enjoying this every second, then I'm doing something wrong. Right. And so for me, some good questions to ask yourself, first of all, I feel like we're talking about two, there's several different avenues here. We're talking about close people in our lives, actual interactions with them. We're talking social media. And I would say also another field to consider is our discussions with more casual acquaintances, right? And for me, those are three different methods of communication that all have a different place for this conversation. So it's almost difficult to lump them all together. But one that does apply to all three, for me, a good question to ask yourself is, what neighborhood am I living in? Because, you know, I talk about this a lot with emotions, but there's nothing wrong with dipping in. I mean, we all feel negative emotions all the time, and we feel positive emotions. For me, I know that I need to do some like serious self-reflection, though, if I'm living in negative emotion all the time. I don't mind passing through it. But if I'm just living there and it's over 50%, then to me, that's like a, whew, my state for me, it's like a, for my mental health, it's zero to 10. And if I'm dipping, if I'm like living below a five, I'm not just like visiting it, but I'm like living there, then that's when I start being like, whew, okay, hold on. Let me really look at myself here. You know, what's going on? Is there something I need to change? Do I need to get help? That kind of situation. So it's all about what neighborhood you're living in. So for me, in my conversation, conversation is so powerful. I'm okay with living 50% of the time with negative emotion, but I sure don't want to be talking about negative 50% of the time. And the reason why is because we know from psychology that it takes seven positives to equal one negative in our mind in a relationship, you know, like if you're in the little bank account of a relationship. So if I'm talking, if I'm talking 50% of the time, anytime I'm feeling something negative, then that's going to overpower positive, right? So I have no problem in my mind saying, if I'm going to say something negative, I want it to be, why am I saying it? So, cause again, yeah, we're not pretending like everything's beautiful all the time, but what is it? My question is, how does it serve us when we're going to say something negative? We're going to say something that's really hard for us. You know, we're complaining about it for me, there's a few criteria to consider. One, if I am just literally, if I'm saying it for humor, so she says making fun of kids. I, I mean, I hope all of us, we all disagree that we would never make fun of a child in front of them, right? But there is something really, really liberating about when you are with just adults saying, oh my gosh, listen to what happened today. You know what I mean? And it's funny because they couldn't say their W's and because they couldn't say their W's, they actually said this word that was like, oh my gosh, you know what I mean? Like they did not mean what they thought it was meaning or whatever. You know what I mean? That, that to me is like a humorous situation, but I would never say it if it felt disrespectful. First of all, I wouldn't say it. But second of all, I would never say it in front of my kid, right? Because that'd be embarrassing for them. But um, if I'm going to say something like, so say I'm struggling with something, my question would be, Am I sharing this with somebody who can help me? So like Caitlin said, if I share it with you guys, you guys can help me. Not only might you have excellent advice for me, but sometimes it's not advice. It's just, I cannot tell you how many times Caitlin has asked us when she was first a mom, she would ask us things all the time just to see if it was okay. Like if we'd ever experienced it before, even if there's an answer to it, she would just say, Hey, I'm having a hard time with this can you just help me feel like, is this something I should be freaking out about? Or is this something that's okay? And me and Felicia could easily say, oh yeah, we've experienced that. And she could just 
although there's no necessary fix to it, she could be like, oh, okay, well, at least I know I'm not alone. So even if the fix is just knowing you're not alone, I think that's a valid reason to share something that's hard for you, but see how it matters who I'm sharing it to. If I'm sharing it with my sisters, there's actually, I can get something really good out of that. And then, then for me, if it's social media, my question is, why am I posting this? Am I posting it because I actually legitimately do want advice? I think that my friends on social media are going to be able to help me. If so, great. But if it's just simply to literally like I am just complaining all the time, then we would, we're just putting out into the world that motherhood is this drag. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I, to me, it just comes down to why are we saying it? Also casual acquaintances. This is something I found with casual acquaintances. I find there's almost no reason for me ever to complain to casual acquaintances because what happens when I start doing that is it becomes my story. Like I find myself Mm -hmm. then sharing this annoying story or this thing I'm frustrated with, with everybody. And that doesn't serve me or anybody else. Right. I'm just, I'm literally just like bringing down the narrative about motherhood because I'm just bringing it up all the time. So for me, casual acquaintances, I don't really see the point of saying things that are really negative for me. It's a, an intentional, mostly for me, it's with my own close people of, hey, I'm having a hard time with this. Do you have any advice for me? Or can you just help me listen? Can you just listen to me? And then the other thing I just want to point out. So first question is, why am I sharing this? Is there something, is there like a benefit for me to share this? From a place of authenticity, vulnerable sharing, and it creates connection. And the thing of, but yeah, we're not alone. Motherhood's not perfect. But then the second thing is, I think for me, that becomes a red flag that I'm now just dwelling in negativity is, am I saying the same thing over and over, right? So we've all been around people where you probably heard them say the same negative story 10 times to anybody who will listen, right? And for me, I've done that also. So this is not like a place of judgment to be clear. But I find myself that when I start doing that, when I'm just living in like, I'm just complaining it's almost like the complaining creates more. It's like the toys you don't want, right? Like it's just all of a sudden now I just find myself, that's my story. That's what I'm identifying as. That's my narrative. And then I start just complaining all the time. So for me, I never want to live in complaining. So to me, that's a red flag. If I start telling the same story over and over and I find myself, you know, I'm talking to my neighbor and all of a sudden I'm bringing up, oh my gosh, I just... I just did not get enough sleep last night. It was so awful. And I'm like, hold on. I've already told Caitlin that. So I've already got my validation. I've already got my like share. Why in the world am I still whining about this to my neighbor? You know what I mean? This isn't helping anybody. So to me, that's a little bit of a red flag of, am I saying the same thing over and over? But then this brings us to the whole point of anything we're doing, right? Motherhood, a career outside of the home, a career inside of the home. Whatever it is, I think in our lives, we have this either perception that it needs to be perfect, which means we can't ever say anything negative, which obviously isn't accurate. But the other one is, is there a way to tap into gratitude? Because anytime we have a situation that we're unhappy about, there's somebody else who would give anything to have that problem that we're having. You know what I mean? And so I think... How can we cultivate that kind of gratitude for whatever it is we've chosen to do, right? So for me right now, I'm my primary job is being a mother. 
what can I do to cultivate gratitude? And it doesn't mean I have to enjoy every moment. And it doesn't mean that I have to always be like, oh, this is bliss. But is it possible to bring some appreciation into that of this is such a privilege that I even get this choice, right? Or, or whatever your job is to have, is there a way to bring it into, can I shift this to saying, again, it doesn't mean I can't be unhappy about things sometimes. Of course it doesn't mean that, or I can't feel frustrated or I can't feel exhausted. I can still feel all those things, but is there a way to help us see also the gift of what we have? And I think that, I think complaining comes easily, but I think if we can intentionally really make sure we're always looking for also sharing again, I mean, from a communication standpoint, are we sharing seven times more of the positive? So I think it's okay to say I'm exhausted. And also I want to look at seven things that I'm also happy about. And I think if we're doing that, I think if we're making sure that as we're talking, we're also deliberately looking and trying to share positive as well. I want to share the negative. It's just part of our life. It's, but it doesn't, we don't get stuck in it. You know what I mean? So for me, those are some things to consider. One, why are we sharing it? Two, is there a way to cultivate appreciation? Who are we sharing it with? And then the last one is sometimes we need to deliberately also make sure, just look at the balance. Are we over saying the same thing negative over and over and over? Or are we trying to find positives also so that in the end it's real and not just living in the negative and it's also not just perfection? Yeah, I I love that. And I think I want to add to a few things that you said because I feel like um, we've all, cause what you were saying is that, yeah, um, paying attention to the positive things that we say too. And I think you mentioned this, that when we do, when we are speaking negatively all the time, it does affect how we feel. And it's the same thing when we speak positively about whatever the situation that we're in, we're talking about motherhood right now. But, um, I think we've all been around also, like we've all been in groups of people or around people that if it's negative all the time, you feel that feeling of whether it's like injustice or whatever it may be. Um, but I feel like I've also been around people where I hear them saying really like happy things and good things and things that they're genuinely really loving about being a mom. And sometimes it's humorous and sometimes, but, and it, it is kind of contagious because it's like, oh my gosh, yes, I do lo- like I do love that about being where I'm at in this stage of life. And so I think that we can also, I love that you said that, that it's like paying attention. It's not that you have to be ingenuine, but actually thinking for yourself, like what are some things that I, that either happened today that I really loved or that's hilarious in a really good and positive way or things that I'm grateful for. And then, yeah, being open about it. Not that you have to ingenuinely share it, but I think that when we do bring that out in our conversations, it, it does bring out how wonderful motherhood is. So I think, or whatever, and again, I think you can apply this to any situation that you're in in life, any circumstance, but I feel like I've definitely been around people where you do feel that upliftment by being around them just because of, they genuinely feel happy about the, where they're at. Um, and I did want to say, cause I feel like this is, I feel like we talk enough about this. I hope I can articulate this right, but Something that has helped me find enjoyment in the small things, because it's not like everything is roses and daisies. Like, it's not like everything is perfect. But I guess a tool that I think has been helpful in motherhood, because some things might be more mundane, some things are just naturally more fun. 
And I think that again, goes with most, like you could say that about a career too, like outside of the home too. But I, something that I think has really helped me is, uh, being able to really actually be present in the moment. Cause I think sometimes when I am, when my mind is trying to do a bunch of other things or I'm trying to do something while also like trying to kind of pay attention to what I'm doing, like with my kids, I'm not able to just like really enjoy that. And that's not to say sometimes there are things I want to clarify. Like sometimes there are things that you have to do. Like you've got to make some phone calls. You've got to send some texts. You've got to like schedule appointments. You have to do, I mean, we could name a bunch of things that you do have to do. I think that's something that has really helped me with that is I do make sure that I have set aside time where it's like, okay, I need to get these things done and I'm going to do my best to do it in this time. But then when I'm with my kids, I'm going to really try to be present. And doing that, I think, has helped me enjoy the small things because I really am just being present in it. And I'm not thinking about the next thing that I have to do. I'm not saying I'm perfect at that. And I, I think that it is I pra- it's a practice that I think I work on. But I think it's something that does help me find that gratitude. And I'm able to see like the things that they do and like whether it's, you know, like my little one-year-old just started to walk and it's so cute to watch his little legs figure out the movement of it. And like just watching him figure it out is so, I'm loving it. Like, I think it's so fun. But so anyway, so I think there's also something there that it's like, there's some small things and really big things that at least for me, a tool that has helped me find the enjoyment. And maybe it sounds so simple is just really working to be fully present. Like when I'm there, fully being there. And then there's going to be times where I'm not going to be there and I'm going to be trying to be fully present in what I'm doing. But I think that's something that has at least helped me really find the enjoyment in the small and the big things in motherhood. Yeah, I love everything that you both said. And I, as you were both talking, I was thinking about a suggestion or like a guidance that we often give is to <clears throat> like recognize your choice when you're you know you're choosing um you know to be home with your kids you're choosing to work you're choosing and I had this realization that that's where the power lies is in our choice but there could be some work to be done with your perception of your choice and not like did someone just hand you a baby when you're walking down the street? You didn't have a choice. But is there some subconscious thought that you feel um, that you're not fully empowered in your choice of being at home with your kids or fully empowered in your choice with work or whatever your, however your motherhood looks? Because if subconsciously or if you you start doing this thought work and you realize, yeah, at the root, I don't really feel like I'm choosing this life in whatever way, then it could start to feel really heavy and easy to complain about 24 seven. Um, and I think that's worth doing for anything like just day to day life. When I look at how it's set up, am I constantly, am I consciously choosing my life or are there pieces that I would choose to be different and obviously then you can't just change them overnight but I think it's powerful to um really look and 
and feel like, so did I end up where I am with my life situation with my kids because I consciously like chose this from a place of really wanting this? Or did I feel like some pressure here or, you know, there was a little like I didn't have any other choice here. And again, you can't go back and change the past, but you can recognize and be, I guess, gentle with that person. And I think this can play into um, just a healthier mental state if we can, you know, I don't know. Have you guys heard of IFS, Internal Family Systems? No, I don't think so. So, like, the whole concept is that we we have these, like, protectors along the way of, you know, throughout our life. And so it's, like, thought work going back and saying, like, wow, you did, you were doing the best with, you know, the tools you had at that time. And that version of you was protecting other situations in your life. And so instead of like harboring that like resentment or trauma over the situation, you're able to see how that part of your psyche served you in those times. And I think there's like elements of this in motherhood where we can get to a place where it feels like I didn't choose any of this. Why do I have to do everything? Nobody cares about me, blah, blah, blah. But just can we do some thought work on where we can find power in our choices and where we might be feeling like we didn't choose some of the ways that our life is looking, I think can be powerful for getting to a place where you feel like, okay, my life, how I have it set up is pretty much in a lot of ways, like how I would choose it to look. And you have to drop the perfectionism to, to do that at all. But I think that could be helpful for people feeling stuck in like a complainy loop. Hmm. Yeah, that is really helpful. I like how, I mean, we're taking it from just the surface of complaining to a deeper level, which I really, really like. Yeah. All right. That was a great question, Kaylee. Thank you for submitting that. And if any of you have listener questions, we'd love to answer them. Um, you can leave them in a review or contest contact us on Instagram at find the magic. All right. Can I, add, can I just add one little thing before we, of you know, course. before we find the magic together here? <laughs> um, I just, I just had this example pop into my head. So I'm just sharing in case there's anybody out there who this resonates with. So um, when I was a teenager, I had a friend named Lindsay. She was my best friend and we had a goal not to complain for like, up months like we went months and we spent a ton of time outside and this was during the winter and so we we actually were like so saying it's cold in a complaining way is complaining and I remember us having the conversation well what if it actually is cold because it is it's freezing and we would just say okay well if it's like I'm cold as in like I need to go inside then we can say that as an observation like there's something I can do about this so I'm gonna go inside or it's cold. I'm going to get another coat. That's something. However, if it's just to say, if we're, if we're hiking and it's cold and there's literally nothing we can do about it, there's no point in saying that it's cold. And it was amazing guys. It was fascinating because when we first made this school together, we, it was like all the time I was having to stop myself from just saying just random whiny things like, Oh, my nose hurts. My fingers are cold. My shoes are uncomfortable. Like I was just whining all the time. And when I made this goal with her, 
it was funny after a few weeks, like our whole, our whole conversation changed and we weren't negative people, you know, it's like, we're like really particularly whiny people. But when we made it, it was like a little fast, like a fast from complaining. It changed our, the way we talked. And it was so fabulous. I still think of it sometimes. Like, I'll be hiking now. She's passed away. And I still, I'll be hiking sometimes. And I'll want to say, oh my gosh, it's so cold. And I think to myself, is there anything I can do about this? No. So, you know, I'm just going to keep hiking. And guess what? My brain leaves the subject. Whereas if I keep saying over and over and over, it's so cold then my brain gets fixated on it and my discomfort, right? So this applies to, the example that came to my mind is tiredness. So again, we hopefully are setting aside time to sleep because it's very important. But then there are times where we're woken up in the night and there's nothing we can do about it. And there is a difference between all day long to anybody who will hear me saying, oh my gosh, I'm so tired. You know, Liam woke me up four times and blah, blah, blah. Guess what it does, guys? It makes me so more tired like it's all I can think of right because I'm just telling everybody I come across I'm so tired whereas if I share it with my person you know like maybe to Jeff or something I can say I just want to tell you I need somebody else to witness that this was hard and I'm and I'm feeling really exhausted and I'm feeling a little overwhelmed by my day and he can give me a hug and say I hear you you know that's really hard or whatever you know maybe we make a plan to take a nap or whatever you know what I mean maybe if you have a baby you arrange somebody to you know I don't know you know there are some options I'm not saying there's no solution here but I'm saying after that there really it doesn't serve anybody to walk around saying all day that I'm tired right because if so that's all our brain is going to focus on instead we can actually deliberately it's like a little fast like you know what this isn't this isn't gonna be helpful so I'm just not gonna say it and try replacing it with something else instead and I don't know. It's just, it's, I haven't done it for a long time, but it's kind of inspiring me just to do a complaining fast, just to like try it out. Can you go three days without complaining? And again, I don't think it's a way to live. I think it's important to be able to express things that are not positive in your life for sure. But it's just an interesting exercise to see how much of our lives are we just dwelling on stuff. And it's just making our whole lives much more uncomfortable. So anyway, that's just an idea that popped into my mind there at the very end. In case it serves you, you can try it or not. And if it doesn't serve you, then let it go. But anyway, that's it. So now let's, let's find the magic. Now let's find the magic. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, just a quick reminder to use code FINDTHEMAGIC to receive $50 off any Gab wireless device, watches, phones. Let's keep our kids safe on tech as they go back to school, but also safe and aware of where they are. So again, that's Gab Wireless with code FINDTHEMAGIC. You can receive $50 off any device.
down, cows. <laughs>